I mean, absolutely. I mean, we focus on people that build huge companies and we glorify them for it, but we also don't talk about where they come from. Hey there, Tribe of Leader fans. It's Meredith from the podcast, Meredith for Real, The Curious Introvert, where I talk with paradoxical people who share unlikely lessons, like the felon turned million dollar business owner, episode 18. If you like personal development and are ready to meet people outside the algorithm, come visit me at Meredith for Real, The Curious Introvert, wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to Tribe of Leaders. Here's your host, elevator of people, analyzer of results, facilitator of insight, Emmy Kirshner. Hey there, and welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Emmy Kirshner. I'm a serial entrepreneur, investor, and business coach for ambitious women who are boldly taking their business to the next level. And I believe that building a successful business isn't about working 24-7 just to merely meet a revenue goal. What it does take is a unique blend of dedication to purpose, courageous action, and frequently sheer will to overcome the odds that lead to meaningful impact and experiencing a life well lived. In each episode, you'll get to know the women and men who are unafraid to put it all on the line as they share the stories of success and failure that have made them incredible leaders and the magic they gift the world with. As you're listening, and I hope finding value, don't forget to share the Tribe of Leaders podcast with all of your other entrepreneurial friends and to follow us wherever you're listening to this podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Emmy Kirshner. And on today's show, I have an incredible entrepreneur, eWebinar co-founder and CEO, Melissa Kwan, has spent 12 years in startups and built three successful companies without venture capital backing. That's huge. Her previous startup, a real estate tech company, was acquired in 2019 And as a revenue-driven founder specializing in sales and business development, she has learned how to build companies with very few resources by automating what she could, outsourcing wherever possible, and inspiring talented people to join her team with shared focus and enthusiasm. Melissa, welcome to the show. And you, to me, seem like the trifecta entrepreneur in that it takes a rare person, one, to be able to build successfully three companies, but to be able to attract incredible team members and retain them as well. So I'm really looking forward to all of your stories, but let's start with who you are and, and you know, what's going on for you these days. Well, I mean, thanks for having me on the show. Um, so as you mentioned, my name is Melissa Kwan. I'm the co-founder and CEO of eWebinar. Um, so I'm still in the process of building my third business. Um, I did have two companies before this, both in technology. Um, my previous company was acquired in 2019. And right now I'm building a company called eWebinar, which uh, saves people from doing the same you know, sales and onboarding webinar over and over again by taking any video and delivering it like a webinar so people can get their time and freedom back um, to do something else they value more. Which is incredible. And I'm curious, what was it that was like the catalyst for you starting your own business? Yeah, so I started my first business about 12 years ago. Um, I think I was always entrepreneurial, but I was not an entrepreneur. Um, My parents were not entrepreneurs either. So I think that was um, a huge 
that had huge influence in, in shaping who, who I was when I was younger. Um, but I was always entrepreneurial in the sense that I always liked creating things. So I remember being in elementary school and making, you know, origami cranes and selling them to my friends and using the money to buy a snack. Um, and then throughout my teenage years, I would try to do things on the side with friends that have family businesses. And I was always really jealous of how they just knew things. Um, and I, I just always felt like, um, like a stranger to, to starting my own business, but I always tried. Um, because my parents just wanted me to have a good education and, and get a job um, and have more than what they had growing up. So that was my idea of what I, who I would be. Um, but I remember sitting at my last job, um, which was the last one I worked for someone else at SAP, where I was in large enterprise sales for technology and thinking, I don't want to work for someone else anymore. Like, I don't want to answer this person. I, I don't want to do things that I don't enjoy. And I remembered emailing my parents on Hotmail. Um, that's how long ago it was and wanting to get their blessing. And to my surprise, they were like, yeah, go and do what you want. Go and do what you want to do. And if all fails, you can always come home. And that was really huge for me because that's not who they are. Like they're very, very conservative. So I kind of took that as a sign. And that was when I started my first business. Which is incredible. And well, first, does Hotmail even still exist? Like, <laughs> I think I, I want to say Outlook bought them, and and is that owned by Microsoft? Like I, I'm not sure, but you know, remember when it was Hotmail and like nobody had their use their real name because the internet was a dangerous place, so everyone had like an alias at Hotmail.com, yeah, or Yahoo, which I think there's still a couple of those around. <laughs> um, but just changing the conversation back to your parents too. Um, did they give you a sense of freedom? in go do your thing and you can always come back if it doesn't work so that maybe you took even bigger risks or or created something that you weren't expecting to because you had a little bit of a safety net well that's a that's a good question um i think that's something that a lot of us take for granted is the privilege right and not everybody has access to credit um or the capacity to save money. Um, I certainly did because right out of university, I was selling real estate. So I, I had like, I made money off commissions. Um, and I wasn't a bad salesperson. Um, I had apprentice under uh, bigger agents and things like that. And then I worked for a big technology company and yeah, like my parents were not like wealthy, wealthy by any means, but we, we didn't have to pay our own tuition ever. Um, they wanted us to be comfortable, um, and I think that is definitely something that when I was younger, I took for granted is I knew that I would never be in a desperate situation. In fact, um, in the first, I would say eight years of my journey, and I've been in this for 12, um, there were many, many times that I knew I could go back to my parents and I did, um, whether it was for a loan or to pay off my credit card or, something to, to help me out. Um, and yeah, so it wasn't so much a sense of freedom. It was, I could, yeah, to your point, like I could, I knew I could take more risk and spend the money that I had because I would always have a roof over my head and have food on the table. Which is, I, I think it's amazing. And I think you can create more when there's the ability to take on that risk, right? 
Like it's, I mean, absolutely. I mean, we focus on people that build huge companies and we glorify them for it, but we also don't talk about where they come from. Right. Right. Facebook, perfect example, right? Like Mark Zuckerberg went to Harvard. Like, yes, he built Facebook and that's amazing. Right. But that gives you a different opportunity and different perspective on, on life as well. Yeah. Um, I certainly didn't go to Harvard, (laughs) but I, you know, I can, like, I don't take what, where I came from for granted because yes, like it, it definitely gave me the education and access and, um, not so much freedom. I'm trying to find the word for it, but it's like the, the peace of mind, right. That you, you can keep moving forward and really spend your last dollar as I have, um, in the, in the first eight years, um, because I knew that, like if all failed, that there would be more. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's great and such an opportunity, but it's also, I mean, eight years, right? Like that's a lot of persistence and perseverance that, and dedication that you've had to creating these companies and seeing them be successful. I mean, I mean, that's, it's, it's difficult because what I don't often talk about, and I've written about this a, a few times is I, I was really in a, like, I didn't have the knowledge to build companies, everything I had to acquire myself, right? And it, because I didn't come from that background, I was so green that I thought code was one language. Like when I quit my job at SAP, I thought like, oh, I'm just going to find someone who could code and make this thing. Like, I thought it was like, you know, I thought it was like one language. And yeah, and I thought that like, when you, when a designer tells you, I'm going to give you this thing on Friday and it doesn't come on Friday, I was surprised by that. <laughs> like, you know, but now when a designer says, I'm going to give you something on Friday, I'm like, you mean this year or, you know, six months from now? Um, but I had to learn all that. So because I had to learn all that, it just took a lot longer for things to come to fruition. And I had a friend tell me once that if you give someone enough money and time, anyone could make a successful business. And I think that's true. Right. And because I didn't have limitless time and and money, but the persistence to keep going, I was in really, really bad places where my parents stopped talking to me for two years. Um, I didn't have a credit card for a long time until my company was acquired in 2019. I didn't have a credit card for like four or five years. Um, I had times when I had to go to startup events for food, living in New York having one meal a day, right? Those are the things that nobody talks about because there's also shame to that. Um, cause, cause then if you say it out loud or if you talk about it, then people think you're not capable or maybe you start believing that you're not the one to do it, but that stuff happens to a lot of people. And then, you know, eight years later or 10 years later, you sell your company and they're like, oh yeah, always knew you'd be successful. But it's like, no. <laughs> and yeah. And you're not, like this is not exclusive to you. I mean, you've had a special experience, but I've met other entrepreneurs who have been in similar positions where they've had enormous credit card debt or they had no money and they were just so determined to make the thing work. And then they've, you know, something clicked and it's kind of that hockey stick effect where, you know, it, it, the sales go up really suddenly, they continue to happen and things take off and really grow. Um, what is it that keeps you moving forward every day? I mean, it's different. It was different back then than it is now. Um, 
back then, like in my darkest moments, and I mean, I could tell you, like, I'm when I think about these memories that I have very much repressed because they were so bad. I know I can't do that again, right? Because I was so naive that I didn't know what, what I was plunging myself into. But I also didn't have a choice because I had a co-founder who I had promised things to. I had a small team that I was paying for. I had my parents to prove and also my community. And, you know, I had moved from Canada to, to New York to, to make something out of myself, like why most people move to New York. So back then it was more like I didn't feel like I have a choice. Like I think sometimes giving up looks like it's the like the only option but it's the easy option right what i've come to realize that is to be successful you have to be the person who's willing to keep going when giving up seems like the only option because everybody gives up and if it was easy everybody would be doing it so back then it was almost like okay what are my options if i stop doing this because i'm exhausted then you know i i play this out in my head right i'd go get a job i'd probably get you know, this, this income range. And so I talk it through in my head. I'm like, okay, so my best case, like my worst case scenario, which is giving up would put me in a better financial position than I am today. So actually that's not so bad. And then I would keep going, but I, my co-founder and I also had this mechanism for which we would make decisions because we hadn't found product market fit, right? Because we had some customers, but not enough to be like, yeah, we're onto something. And, you know, we would, if either of us felt like we wanted to stop, then we would ask ourselves, okay, what, how would we feel if we stopped doing this today? How would we feel tomorrow? And if the answer was, I would, I would still wonder if I didn't go far enough or I would still have regret, then it, we would just keep going. I mean, it's not reasonable, but none of this is, right? Like, why is it reasonable to put yourself through hell when you've got this great education? You can just work for someone else and make whatever you want, right? hundred grand or whatever it might be at, like, depending on what you're doing. But for now, like, and, and luckily that part of my life is, is over. Um, but right now what keeps me going is I love the fact that eWebinar is a product that gives people their freedom back because that is something that is so important to me. And after I sold my previous business, I asked myself, what is it that I wanted to do? And I came up with a few non-negotiables and coming up with a product that I really cared about that is a reflection of me was one of those non-negotiables. And the idea that I could give someone back their time so they could have more vacation time or spend more time with family, that's amazing. And that's what keeps me going is I want to be able to give that to someone else. Yeah. And I love that because I think, well, I mean, I know because there's a, there's a constant conversation on social of people being overworked, exhausted, overwhelmed, overscheduled. And I think we're starting to see a swing very slowly back into um, a less chaotic life. And you're really leading the forefront of that and people being able to change the way they do business. So first of all, before, before we dive into like 20 questions I have share with everybody like what um, e-webinar is so they have the kind of the context um, of what your platform offers okay okay yeah so I mean I think after 2020 everybody under the sun knows what a webinar is it's the only way to get in front of all your customers without hopping on a plane I mean it was already big before but now it's essential 
Um, but, and, and webinars work, people love them, but there's just a massive problem. The massive problem is someone has to be there to run them live. So you can think about whether it's a technology company or not, right? It could be real estate, insurance, it could be marketing, tech companies. You might be doing the exact same demo, the sales pitch, onboarding, whether it's internal onboarding or onboarding your customers, constant training, customer education. You're doing that over and over and over again. So what we do is we save people from doing that by taking your perfect video, deliver it like a webinar experience, along with a live chat that allows you to hop in at any time or respond by email later, along with programmable interactions that you can program a question, a poll resources that pops up throughout the experience. So it really feels like interactive TV and less like a Zoom call. Um, So by doing that, we allow you to scale um, to a hundred webinars a month, 200 webinars a month without ever being there to do it live. So you can imagine the impact that it could have on your business. If you can do a hundred webinars a month for your customers or your prospects, but you can actually be off on vacation or maybe sleeping more. Relaxing, going to the beach, climbing yeah. mountain. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else. <laughs> and on your website, it says, and even binge watching, I think it said full house. So <laughs> Whatever your TV preference is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Binging, binging full house. <laughs> and I love this. Like I, I th- I've been on a number of um, webinars and I'm going to include master um, training or master classes and trainings and they all fit in under the webinar bucket for me. Um, and I love the idea of having something that's customized and automated at the same time because there's an energy as somebody who's also, you know, led webinars, there's an energy that has to go out into not only creating it, but running it every time over and over again, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, that you can conserve and use in other areas of your life or your business. So, uh, I, I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, yeah, we hear this a lot, like a one hour webinar, like anyone who's done this before, like a one hour webinar is a half day event. Like you've got to block off an hour to, to prep and then you've got your webinar and then afterwards you kind of decompress like, Oh, I've done it. (laughs) It's, it's public speaking. It's not like a one-on-one call. So there is like, there is this kind of energy that, that you have to harness to, to run that aspect. Like the bigger it is, the more it takes. Right. So, um, that's exactly the, the problem that we're, we're solving. And it actually, it does not make sense to have somebody do the same thing over and over again. And we're not pretending that, that we can replace the one-on-one interaction or, you know, the, the time-sensitive events that actually makes webinars um, valuable. We're talking about all of the repetitive stuff that you get robotic about that a robot should be doing instead of you. So you can be there for your customers, be there for your friends and family without feeling so mentally exhausted. Right. And correct me if I'm wrong, but with your platform too, you can allow people who are watching the webinar essentially have their own kind of personalized experience so that that they can watch it when they want to and not on your time frame. Absolutely. So the other problem with webinars, live webinars we're talking about is everybody wants to run a webinar at 11 on Tuesday, like Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. Everybody wants to do that. But your Tuesday is not the same as your customers in another time zone. So, you know, they sign up for a replay and then they don't show up because they think they'll watch the replay. But our inboxes are like replay graveyards. Nobody watches a replay. Like the quality is low. Yeah, the quality is low. And it's like you get interrupted a million times and it's not relevant. And then you kind of bounce, right? So 
With eWebinar, you, it's almost like setting up a recurring event on your Google Calendar. You say, I want this to happen every single day or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. at the attendee's time zone. What that means is if I'm in Philadelphia or in San Francisco and I go and register for the webinar, I'm seeing it at 10 a.m. my time. And it's always starting at my time. But there's still a psychology about people blocking time off, right? So the argument against that is, well, why don't I just go watch a video? Well, because it's not a webinar. <laughs> like people like going to an event, they block off time on their calendar, there's reminders and follow-ups, and there's also an opportunity to connect with a host. So just because it is a video, we deliver it in the experience that has the one-on-one -on -one chat. So your customer or your prospect can message you and you will get that message in real time where you can hop in to respond if you're, if you're there. But if you're sleeping, you can always respond when you wake up and they'll get an email response. So that chat is really no different than like any little chat support bubble that we see on every single website. We basically just took whatever works right now and we coupled it um, with the technology that we're building. Awesome. Yeah. And I'm curious too, like if you're, if you're there for the chat, like, could that come to your phone then? And you can just chat via your phone and you could be anywhere and chat with somebody. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The entire premise of eWebinar is so you can do this on the go. Like I lived as a digital nomad. I, I'm still right now for four years. So the reason why I built this company is because in my previous company, I was the one that was running all of those repetitive onboardings and trainings and, and sales demos in opposite time zones of my customers. And I had dreamt of this amazing product that would do my job for me while I can go and have fun without, you know, watching my alcohol intake at dinner and watching my time. And like, I remember landing in a different city and the first thing I would do is check the internet speed at my hotel. And if it's not good enough, then I would have to find a solution for that. Like before, before my next training came up. So the whole premise of the software is you can do this on the go. And um, if you implement this in your business, you actually can do less work and not do more work. Which should be like the goal, I think, for every business owner is one to do less work, but even their team. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a glorification of productivity, right? Like if I... Yeah, like if I'm if I'm busy then I'm productive. If if I do more work then my boss will will recognize me for it. Right? But we build the product so you can work less and not more. Um and I think we we don't need to work harder. We work really hard already. What we need to do is we need to work more creatively. And that means like in your introduction you said what um you know outsourcing, you know when you can automating wherever possible and make sure that people are using their time more effectively and more efficiently, not, you know, doing the same thing over and over because, you know, there's a false sense of um, accomplishment. I so agree with you. I feel like for me, at least being intentional with where I'm spending my time and, and doing the things that not only are most important, but that fill me up, um, and letting the other things that I don't like doing go, whether they get delegated or they just don't get done. Um, and 
as I said, with with e-webinar, there's so many pieces of that that I think give people peace of mind. They're still connecting. It's customized. Um, so it's uh, like, sign me up. <laughs> I mean, you can think about like in business, we love to say, I wish I can clone myself. Like you are the person that's doing the best job, right? Especially in like small, even medium businesses, right? The one of the other problems with with you, the founder, doing the pitch is your time can needs to be spent on building the business. However, you're the best person to represent your company. And especially in your earlier days, or maybe your team is small, you don't want to give that responsibility to someone else. So then you are the one that are doing all those things that are draining, but, and you can't even say it's not important because it is right. That's what keeps your customer there. That's what builds the connection. So I think with what we're building is as close to cloning yourself as you can get, um, because you are the person that's doing all of those pitches and all those onboardings, but your team can be the people that are following up, right? Yeah, absolutely. I want to shift gears a little bit because I'm really curious about your digital nomad life. Life, And when we talked earlier, one of the things that you mentioned was that you don't have a set schedule. Like you kind of get up when you want, you work when you want within you know the boundaries of moving everything forward. Um, what was the catalyst for you in, in, I presume, moving from New York, but traveling the world and, um, and leading that, that type of lifestyle? Yeah, so when I moved to New York from Vancouver, uh, where I'm originally from, I didn't just move to New York. I moved there and actually started a co-living space <laughs> with two... <laughs> with two other entrepreneurs. Um, and actually the New York times wrote about it as the millennium commune, like the millennial commune. And that was before like co-living was a thing. Like it was like co-working, but co-living. So the three of us, um, pulled the little money that we had and we rented this like five bedroom, two level townhouse in the middle of Manhattan with the intention of making that our live workspace. So, um, you know, we, we had five bedrooms, but we had an agreement that, you know, because Manhattan rent is just insane. Um, if any of us want, like if any of us traveled, then we could uh, rent out our room to a friend. And because so many people are always coming in and out of Manhattan, it almost became the halfway house for people wanting to move to Manhattan. Um, and then like checking out other neighborhoods. Um, and I actually managed that house for like a good two, two and a half years. And a part of me was kind of sick of doing that. Um, imagine like living with 10 people at, like all the time. But also at that time, um, this was a few years ago, my company was starting to see profitability, which meant like for eight years, I was dreading the 15th and 30th when I had to make payroll. And that was start, like that stress was starting to go away. And for the first time, I had the, I had the mental space to ask myself, what is it I can do for me? Like I spent almost a decade doing things for someone else. What do I want for me? And the thing that I came up with was if this is going to be hard, I want to do it from anywhere in the world. And as a kid, I didn't travel a lot, but I always liked it. And because I met so many people in New York that were kind of living that same lifestyle, it became more and more appealing. Um, and, you know, I had met someone in New York at the time and I threw that idea out to him. And he was like, oh yeah, like that kind of sounds like a cool idea. Why are we paying, 
why are we paying expensive rent in New York when we could just redistribute that to an Airbnb in Colombia, for example, and just work out of there? And that was really it. It was just like wanting a change um, with with the living situ- I was, situation I was in. But I also wanted to do something for me um, for once. And I thought that would bring me joy. And, and it did. So what was the first com- first country that you went to? The first one we went to was Chile. Um, we spent a month there and then we went to Argentina. And then from there we went to Vietnam. Um, then we just kind of hopped around. Oh man, it's so hard. I mean, eventually we found Amsterdam and fell in love with it because it's just a, it's just a cool city. Um, definitely one of my favorite places in Amsterdam, but it's only because the, the people and are, are so amazing and, and the parties are great. Um, but I would say the most memorable place, um, is definitely the Maldives. Like I treated, I treated us to a trip there, um, after my last company was acquired and it was just unbelievable. I've only seen pictures and it looks unbelievable. So how do you manage your work-life balance too? Because while you said that you don't have set, like a set schedule, I presume you're still putting in a number of hours to move things forward and to grow the business. Yeah. So I, I definitely don't have a set schedule. Um, I work really late. Um, I, I enjoy that. I work at the times that I want. Um, I probably get up at noon every day. Um, and you know, being in, in Europe, uh, of course helps because a lot of our customers and our team is in North America. Uh, but it really doesn't matter where I am. I always set my own hours. I'm a, I'm a big, um, advocate for, for life design. Um, and you should always design the life that you want to live and be really intentional about it. Um, I, I think that if you love what you do, and I know this sounds textbook and tacky, like there isn't work, work life balance. I've designed my work around what I enjoy the most. And I had brought that up earlier about like freedom being my number one priority. Like giving someone back their freedom is something that I enjoy. So even though the work is hard, especially because we're not profitable right now and I have a team to support, knowing that I'm doing something that makes me happy, like that makes me truly happy, that's the balance, right? Like I don't, I don't need to separate my work from my life. Like um, there's certain things I do, like I don't work on weekends. Um, and that's definitely a luxury that, that I feel like we've, like I've earned over the years. Um, but how do I balance that? I think the short answer is I don't because I don't see it as two things. In fact, my co-founder is my husband. So, so there is absolutely no, like no work-life balance, no separation. Like we would be watching Netflix and I would be like on HubSpot answering and it drives him nuts sometimes. But in the beginning of a business, like you need to have that focus. Like you need to be there for your customer because every dollar counts. Um, and it didn't start that way. Um, I started the company thinking I didn't need a CTO because um, I was kind of sick and tired of, of dealing with somebody else. And I thought I could do it alone. Uh, but it turns out you can't build a company without a CTO. <laughs> so <laughs> turns out he's a really good one. Uh, so um, yeah, he, he was kind of like volunteering things for us uh, on the side. And I'm like, wait a second, you can really code. Like I was with him for so many years. I didn't no, he was such a good coder. And I was like, why am I paying some other company when you could just be my co-founder? And so it happened accidentally. Um, but I, I really would not have it any other way. I think like what's funny is 
what, like during the pandemic, people were like, you guys work together and now there's next level cohabitation. Like you have to live together. You can't live, leave the house. Like, what does that feel like? I mean, it just sounds crazy, but like, I would not have it any other way. Like we're, we're having fun in our life and we're also having fun knowing that we're building something together. Do you feel like, well, one, I, I presume there's times too, where like you could be having dinner or whatever and not talking about work, but one of you has one of those creative moments or the idea, and then you just start hashing something out. Um, whether it's for five minutes or a couple of hours too. So that's part of, to me, what some of the fluidity would be like. Yeah. I mean, imagine like I, I can't imagine building this company in any other way because number one, I think the pandemic really accelerated things because we had nothing else to do. Um, but also when you are with someone who is thinking about this business every waking moment, like those creative ideas get, get discussed all the time. It's not like, okay, let's discuss it tomorrow, you know, and, and have a group meeting. And just the speed at which things move is incredible. And I've had the experience of, of building businesses with other people for like almost a decade. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for it because I certainly don't want to be working for very much longer. <laughs> so what's your long-term plan then? Um, my plan is to get this company to profitability. And when that day comes, I would consider myself retired. Um, because we didn't, we didn't build this business to be a unicorn, right? There's this like whole like glorification around billion dollar companies and hundred million dollar valuations. Like, I don't care about that because what I learned over the past few years is while I think that sounds great and it's great to feed your ego with that, it just takes so much sacrifice that I'm not willing to go through that. Like I see some of my friends like taking in all this money and having a board, wanting to go for the IPO. And it's just, it's not a great life. What I learned is I love traveling. I love experiences and parties and community. And I want to balance that. Like that's more of a work-life balance that I'm looking for, not within my own life is like, how do I balance how much I put into my business to how much I want to live my life for like for the rest of my life, I guess. Right. So my, my plan is to get this profitability and just make this a cash machine. <laughs> like that. I just want this to generate income for people that are involved a good income for people that are involved and, and build really great lives. So we could do all the things we want without looking at price tags, right? So I can book the next flight without looking at the cheapest date, or I want to stay at an Airbnb and be in a certain area without trying to optimize, right? Like that's like, when I think about where I want to go from with my business, it's really like, I want it to feed the life that I want to live. Awesome. Which is such an inspiration and I think something that a lot of people are striving towards, but don't have a concrete plan in how to get there. So for other entrepreneurs who like that's in their head, but they don't have a, that goal, are there certain parameters that you work within or plans that you make so that um, you can grow the business? I don't mean financially so much because that's more of budgeting and forecasting, but just how are you identifying what that, that life design is? I think it's really easy, right? When you break it down, um, 
if you go to my LinkedIn profile, it's a, it's a featured article. And I, I wrote about, um, this, I wrote about designing the way you want to live, not around the next demo, because for years I was designing my life around the next demo that I had to do for my customer. But it doesn't have to be a demo, right? It could be like whatever you do in your business. Like we, we kind of live and die by, by our customers, but we don't think about like how we can design our customers and our life around our requirements. So how do you do that, right? You come up with what you, what you find are non-negotiables for you. So for me, it's I don't wake up in the morning, for example. So I don't have any calls, like any tasks in the morning. And my customers know that. Like my team also knows that. Um, and what being really intentional about what your non-negotiables are is it allows you to make really like concrete decisions that you would otherwise not be able to make, right? So if you're at a crossroads, the simple thing that you can ask yourself is, does this serve my plan or not? Because it's never neutral, right? It either takes you closer or farther. Like it's not like it stays here. So like if you had a, like if you had a set of non-negotiables that you're like I will like and why does it have to be a non-negotiable right because it helps you make those decisions very easily then you can have conviction to say yes or no to anybody including yourself right so that's how I lead it is I know what my non-negotiables are what I'm not willing to be flexible about and every decision in my life um, has to yield to that. I love that because I just wrote an article for my newsletter um, about decision-making parameters. And like some of mine are things have got to be a hell yes. Like I've got to be super excited about it. And I have to have time as somebody who loves to do 12 things at once. I have to actually have the time to do it and play full out. So I think having those types of parameters is so important in just creating the life that we love and and that we want to live instead of living in somebody else's kind of predetermined predetermined format. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, share with everybody because we have to wrap up. This is time has flown by, um, but share with everybody where they can connect with you um, and where they can find eWebinar. Yeah, so if you can go to ewebinar.com slash tribe of leaders, um, you will find my LinkedIn profile, a little bit about eWebinar and how to join the demo. And eWebinar is exactly as it sounds. eWebinar. We, we totally lucked out on the URL, um, which is why I don't have to spell it out for you. <laughs> so everybody, check out Melissa, check out eWebinar. Um, I think it's a really cool platform. It's definitely something I'm going to investigate as we're moving into doing some different types of trainings. Um, I think it's, as I said, I'm just really excited about it. Like it solves so many problems. And again, thank you so much for sharing your story with us because you've really, I mean, you've had such an incredible experience throughout the last 12 years building these businesses. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. And for everybody who is listening, we will see you next week. Thank you so much for being a listener of the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I am so grateful for each and every episode that you tune in and listen to. And I hope that you get a ton of value that you can implement starting today. I do have just a quick favor. If you wouldn't mind 
hopping on to wherever it is that you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating and review. It would help us tremendously so that the Tribe of Leaders podcast can be found more easily and help inspire other entrepreneurial leaders. 